Hello and welcome to GBM Media Podcast from Grace Baptist Mission. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching or discipling others, perhaps one-to-one or in a small setting, whatever the age group, Serving Today will be helpful to a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for the leaders in the Church of Christ. This is Andrew Cook. It's good to be in your company. In the Spirit World series, more on the subject of suffering. And the second part of Christ the Firstborn. Last time here on Serving Today, Derek French was with us for the series on the names of Christ. The particular title he began explaining for us is Christ the Firstborn, and we learn that the Lord Jesus Christ should have the priority in our lives. Now with more on Christ the Firstborn, here's Derek. The next verse we need to consider is Colossians 1 verse 18. Speaking again of Jesus, Paul writes, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So in addition to being the firstborn of creation, Jesus is also the firstborn from the dead. Now, this does not mean that he was the first to be raised from the dead, because he wasn't. Both Elijah and Elisha were involved in raising the dead. And Jesus himself had raised a number during his ministry prior to his own resurrection. Really, this title means that Jesus is the highest and greatest of all who have been, or ever will be, raised from the dead. He has an importance and dignity and priority over every other person who will ever be raised. And when we consider that there will be a resurrection of both the saved and the unsaved on the last day, we are again being taught that Jesus is the greatest of all who have been and will be raised from the dead. But the question this poses for us is, how is Jesus the highest and greatest of all who will be raised? And we can suggest a number of answers. First is that Jesus raised himself. Remember, he said in John 10, verse 17 and 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Note that Jesus said he had the power to both lay down his life, which he did upon the cross, and take it again which he did by rising from the dead on the third day. No one has ever done that. Those who have been raised have not been raised by their own power and ability, but Jesus was. When Jesus appeared to John, he said to him in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He will never die again, and praise God, he ever lives to intercede for us. He lives according to the power of an indestructible or endless life. And we must add to this that Jesus will raise others also. When he returns, the dead in Christ will rise first, we are told in 1 Thessalonians 4. And those who are still alive when he comes will be changed and caught up to be with the Lord forever. There will also be a resurrection of the ungodly to face the Lord's terrifying and inescapable judgment. Jesus declared this in John chapter 5 from verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. 
Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. All this is because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Finally, Jesus is also the firstborn among many brethren. We read in Romans 8 verse 29. Wonderfully, Jesus came to save a multitude of lost sinners, and each one of those redeemed through his precious blood become his brother. There will be on the last day a vast multitude that no man will be able to number who will have all benefited from the saving mercy of Christ by humble repentance and faith in him. They will all be gathered together, and they will all have been perfectly conformed to his image and likeness, transformed by his saving grace and mercy. We will share in Christ's glory and will dwell with Christ forever in pure joy and delight and holiness. And over and above them all will be Jesus himself. He will be given the preeminence then and forever. He will have the priority. He will be given the highest place. And all his brethren will gladly acknowledge him to be supreme over all and live with him and worship and serve him for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth that he will bring to pass on that day. All of these things are because Jesus is the firstborn of creation, the firstborn from the dead, and the firstborn of many brethren. What a wonderful Saviour is Jesus our Lord. Well, last time here on Serving Today, Graham Jones was speaking to us about suffering in the context of our series on the spirit world. He started with the question, where does suffering come from? And he helpfully gave us answers from the Bible. And then we thought about how sin being in the world brings suffering to us. To continue with the topic of suffering and the spirit world, here's Graham again. Thirdly, let us think about how does specific or personal sin bring suffering to us? Some suffering does come because of specific sins. If a person lives an immoral lifestyle, they may get AIDS. If a person drives their car or motorbike too fast or without care, they may have an accident and injure themselves and others. Or if we get angry without a just reason or harbour bitterness and resentment towards someone, we can become stressed and get high blood pressure. This may lead to health difficulties. These results of personal sinful behaviour can bring suffering into our lives. Again, it's not a spirit or an ancestor afflicting our lives. It's the way that God has arranged this world. Sometimes God allows us to be affected by the consequences of our specific sinful behaviour. As Christian people, we need to make sure we're living obedient lives. We need to seek God's help to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. As Micah puts it in chapter 6, verse 8, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We can also say that some suffering may be a divine punishment for an individual's sin. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in chapter 11, 
He says that they've not been valuing the worship of God or showing care towards their fellow church members. He says in verses 30 and 31, That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. God does not use spirits or the living dead to punish us for our wrong behaviour. He allows such suffering so that we might repent and seek him. If we're suffering, the Christian believer will ask if they've sinned and they will seek the Lord in prayer. James in chapter 5 verses 13 and 15 says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So some suffering may be due to an individual's sin. How should we respond? We should repent and seek the Lord, who can forgive us our sins. We do not seek a medicine man or traditional healer or witch doctor to find out which spirit we've offended. We go to the Lord to seek his mercy and find his forgiveness. Some people fear a spell or a curse may have been placed upon them. Some people in my area in western Kenya are afraid of the evil eye that brings illness on a child or disaster on a family. Again, we seek the Lord and his mercy and protection. Satan and his demons can use people to afflict our lives. So we ask the Lord that by his grace, he will protect us and our children. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lastly, let us ask, what is God's purpose in allowing suffering in our lives? And how should we respond to suffering? As we've seen, we often do not know why God allows a specific suffering to come to our lives. Think about the story of Job. We see there a man who suffered much. He lost his wealth, his children and his health. And the Lord said of Job in Job chapter 1 verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. None of Job's suffering came as a result of his personal sin. But God allowed Satan to afflict Job. And in this Job continued to worship and trusting God. Job says in chapter 2, verse 10, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Or think of the day when Jesus met a blind man from birth. His disciples asked Jesus in John chapter 9, verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. Jesus did not accuse the man or his parents of sin. He did not discuss the cause of the suffering. But Jesus said God would use it, so God's purpose would be seen. And so when we look at the story, the man is healed and people praise God. In the story, the man is a witness to the Pharisees of who Jesus is, that he is the light of the world. 
as Jesus put it, the works of God were displayed in him and displayed to others. When we suffer, God's purpose for us is that we grow to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. The Lord uses suffering to grow our faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. As we close, it's good to know that sin and suffering, including sickness and death, will not be in heaven. Christian believers can look forward to a place where there will be no sin, and so there will be no suffering. There is great comfort and hope in the words of Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. And with that, we end this edition of Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May we bring hope in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. You can find us on X or Twitter at servingtodaygbm. We're also on Instagram, that's servingtoday. And you can also search our entire catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash listen. Thanks for listening and goodbye.